Hello and welcome to Eventful, the podcast for meeting professionals. I'm your host, Lauren Edelstein with North Star Meetings Group. Eventful, the podcast, is our way of inviting you to join some of the interesting conversations we have with people in our business about topics that really should be on your radar. I look forward to hearing what you think, and please be sure to subscribe. Not many employees are on the road right now, but travel managers have had a very busy year. Even with minimal travel volume, it's going to take a lot of legwork to prepare companies for the safe return of business travel and meetings. Elizabeth West, editorial director of the BTN Group, has been leading regular group discussions with travel managers since the beginning of the pandemic. Elizabeth is my colleague on the business travel side of North Star. In her role, she oversees content for business travel news, travel procurement, and the beat. For this episode of Eventful, I talked with Elizabeth about this odd time in the corporate travel world and what will be different as business travel ramps up again. Thank you for being here. It's a very interesting time in the corporate travel marketplace, as I'm sure you are well aware. And I just want to start by getting a sense of what travel managers are experiencing right now, just generally. Well, I think certainly travel managers are experiencing a lack of travel. Mm -hmm. Um, Just very fundamentally, they are looking at their programs and seeing five or fewer tickets go through in a week's time. And it, I think it makes them question not the value of what they're bringing to the table, but how much they can do at this time. But I also think that there is a lot going on behind the scenes with travel programs to prepare for the return to the office and the return to business travel. And I know that many travel managers are working very hard on making those plans, creating a smooth return to travel and understanding what the suppliers need, what their travelers need in order to make business travel happen again. Mm-hmm. Anecdotally, we, we've heard that a lot of corporations, especially the big corporations, have said no travel through the end of this year. Is that what you're hearing? Um, not necessarily. I'm hearing that it's a dynamic situation. Mm-hmm. That I'm, I'm definitely not hearing no travel through 2020. Um, I hear it's a dynamic situation that we are looking for the right time to return and building the on-ramps now to make that happen. And I think that many companies are following the cues of their employees in terms of being willing to get back to the road. I'm wondering whether there is concern regarding liability among corporations. Yeah, so I think there's infrastructure currently in place in many travel programs, which they may partner with an external risk management company, or they may have something with their security departments internally to educate travelers about the inherent risks in the market they're going to in their destination. Do you feel that they'll they'll make it optional for the travel? Are they saying if you're not comfortable traveling this month, we get it, you know, we're not going to force you to travel? Well, I think that travel managers have been a little bit reticent to actually say exactly what's happening there. In many cases, that is a human resources issue. 
and travel managers are not uh, speaking for their HR departments in this way. I think that they're being very sensitive and they're trying to be traveler led in this situation. I think things like liability waivers, education, signing documents about they understand the risk. Um, they're not necessarily being very open about that conversation right now. I think it's a very company by company decision and it matters a lot of about what the travelers think. But again, in terms of your specific question about opt-in and opt-out and whether that could potentially endanger um, maybe a certain you know job or career, because I think it could, um, HR is really the entity that has to get involved there, I think. But I do think one thing that is clear is that travel alternatives are being offered. And obviously we're talking on a zoom connection today. And so there are, that's kind of the, the bottom threshold of what quote unquote virtual travel could look like. I think that's, that's really interesting point. And you know, what, what we're seeing in our surveys is that there'll be fewer meetings in the future after this whole crisis is behind us Mm -hmm. and they'll be smaller. And the biggest categories are going to be you know, under 15 people and mm. the next is under 50 people. So when you think about the purpose of a business trip, you know, it's usually a handful of people getting together, mm. you know, so often it is a small meeting. Well, I do think there are so many and, and I've seen figures out there that, you know, 80% of your meetings are small meetings of what it, whatever the number is, 25 or less. Mm-hmm. And I would say this, COVID-19 is not forever. And I think that we are thinking about this as a, and I think we're, we may be thinking more emotionally about this. We're in it right now and we're looking for solutions and we need solutions for now, but these solutions may not be forever or they may not be deployed in the same way forever. And I think we're all thinking about how can we be totally virtual right now, but in the future, we're going to have learnings from our virtual, our use of virtual technologies, and we're going to open up new opportunities that will allow us to extend participation in meetings. Right. Not just to the people who are present, but, but be able to bring others who may get value from the meeting, but in different ways through virtual interactions, um, through maybe just a more limited, but I should say more targeted participation in any kind of business meeting, whether it's an event, a conference, or a one of these smaller meetings, you don't need that extra 10 people. They can, they can come in as needed and potentially virtually and have a good experience and have an interactive experience with the people who are live at the event. Yep, I totally agree. So about the travel experience itself and you know, the fact that so many hotels in particular have closed temporarily and so many hotel staff have been furloughed or laid off. What are, um, what are your expectations for how companies are going to be dealing with their vendors going forward and how they're going to adjust to the fact that some of their tried and true properties that their travelers use might not be available or up to par? Well, I think the first thing, to address here is inventory in booking tools. 
And I think what companies are going to have to do, they need to rely on their TMCs, if they have them, to do some of that groundwork and footwork for the traveler. The idea of having a very good travel counselor may come very much back into play. We may not be as reliant on online booking tools because we cannot necessarily check that every single hotel and every single hotel room that is inventoried in that booking tool is actually available. There is going to be, a, I believe, a big role for TMCs to take in confirming that hotel rooms are available, that travelers don't show up to a property and you know, it's not open, that the services that they need are available there. And I, I, those things are not communicated currently in, the, in most online booking tools. And because we can't have that information at the point of sale, at least in an off-the-shelf version of an of a online booking tool, um, companies are going to need that information and they need, they need somebody to help them get it. Back to high touch, and we'll have to actually make phone calls now, right? Well, we may. Um, or in to that end, there may be guidance at the company. So right now, not so many people are traveling, right? So maybe it's the sense that, well, you can just tell your traveler. You need to give them a checklist before they go on the trip. And number one on that checklist is make sure that your hotel that you've booked is actually open and available. Give them a call. And the traveler can do that. But once you start to scale up and you have this need at, you know, there's a volume there, I think you need to start to get partners involved. Mm -hmm. And another factor, at least for now, is that a lot of hotels are not offering food and beverage service. Correct. Correct. So travelers need to be aware of that and prepared for that. Like what is around for them to you know, and I'm just going to say this because I find it fascinating, but um, there was this, I got this press release from a, like a mini bar specialty company. And I usually, this is not usually my purview for business travel, but I opened it because I thought, well, what is this? And it was a, it was a very interesting op-ed actually about how the mini bar could be such an excellent solution for business travelers that you order an, a meal online before you arrive and the meal is waiting for you in your room, in your mini bar, and that you just deploy the mini bar in a different way. So it's going to be interesting to see um, what are the, some different innovations that come out of this. And also, again, I think that some of the innovations could have legs to last beyond the COVID-19 crisis. I think there's some opportunities for maybe some fringe players, fringe players to come in and, and do some right. more innovating. We know that the travel experience is going to be different for now and for the foreseeable future. What changes do you expect to, to last even beyond this crisis when things back to, get back to normal? For financial reasons. Um, companies will be scrutinizing their business travel um, much more closely. I think justification for a business travel, the threshold will be quite a bit higher. And I think that could last for a while. I mean, that is going to, that, that curve is going to happen along with any recovery curve in the economy. Um, business travel certainly does follow the economic curve. I also think that pre-trip approval may last. Right. We do see a shift going um, 
we had seen kind of a, a departure from pre-trip approval prior to COVID with many companies saying, you know, it's really the decision of the business unit and the manager and the traveler to go on the trip. And why would we make this um, such a, a difficult process to take a business trip? If it's good for the business, they know. Well, we are seeing for safety reasons and, and because they need to be educated and potentially provided with personal protection equipment, et cetera, a return to pre-trip approval. And I do think that for the mid for the medium term, I think that that could outlast COVID. I think we are also seeing um, from a sustainability perspective, the companies remain concerned about sustainability and they may see a way to reach some sustainability goals with better demand management on the business travel side. So um, I do think that those things will maybe take hold inside of corporations. And I think make business travel a little bit slower to recover to pre-COVID levels, which they were at their highest levels ever prior to COVID. So I do think we need to understand that it was, you know, there was more business travel than ever. Mm -hmm. And do you expect us to get back to that level? Or do you think we'll, I mean, for, for meetings, we expect it to, to stay lower at least for a good long time. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't really want to um, make a prediction on that. Is it, is, you know, I, I was speaking with Ed Bastian on a one-on-one -on -one interview the other day, and, and his opinion was that it would be five years before we would return to pre-COVID levels. But I've heard lots of different estimations about that. And, and honestly, I'm not prepared to give one. I, I think that it will be different for different companies. And there will be companies that thrive in, you know, life sciences companies may thrive in the COVID environment and they may need to travel. They may have essential travel that, um, that has to happen. So I definitely think it will vary by company. Tech companies may travel less. Maybe they will be inspired to um, you know, use the technology platforms available to them. Mm -hmm. So I definitely think it will be a variety of different reactions to this and it will depend on the health of the company and the health of the economy and how quickly it recovers. Right. And I'm also expecting that there might be more need for, say, a risk management specialist in a company because even for travel domestically, there are different risk levels for different states right now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think, I think that there's going to be a great need to be on top of that for quite a while, as well as concerns about international travel. I mean, now we might not even be able to travel to, to Europe. <laughs> so there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of things to keep up with. Yeah, I do think that's kind of part of the alerts and the messaging that um, need to happen and, and having relationships with risk management companies uh, who can provide those alerts to educate and, and help companies react to the situation on the ground at that moment. The real-time data is really critical. Having that will be important. I think that I think that's one thing that will be expected from TMC partners as well is to have those relationships with risk companies and be able to pass that information through and do so um, very easily and just as a, as a, as a mode of operation. And that's like going to be a threshold uh, baseline threshold that's required. Mm -hmm. And I, I know you've been having ongoing um, discussions with, travel managers like multiple times a week, what, what are some of their primary concerns? What do they say? 
one of the biggest concerns, of course, is the question of cleanliness and how to dynamically assess and get feedback from their travelers and dynamically react to um, you know, cleanliness issues that may come up when travelers start to travel again. Right now, we're getting lots of promises and lots of sort of um, programs from hotel companies and, and airlines saying that um, you know, we are implementing all of these different protocols, but it, it really is down to the, um, especially with hotels, down to the individual hotel to execute on that. And I, I do think that um, the feedback from travelers when they start to travel again will be very important. Um, and we may start to see, again, technologies fill the gap here where you get satisfaction feedback on the hotel companies, like a trust you score. I think trust you is positioned very well in this particular environment uh, because they will be able to provide a rating on um, some different aspects of the hotel that travel managers will be very interested in. So I think, uh, I do think the cleanliness factor is going to be critical. And I think getting that feedback from their travelers will be critical and, and maybe um, facilitating that through some kind of technology or data um, implementation. Also, I think that uh, the actual availability of air and availability of hotel is, is going to be a little tricky. It may cause them to have to change their policies in a way. Um, for example, connectivity. If you don't have a direct flight, it's going to take you a really long time potentially to get anywhere. So um, it may be that your quote unquote lowest logical fare in an, in an online booking tool is not really the most logical anymore because of that connection time. So efficiency, I think, is going to be uh, quite paramount and understanding how the most efficient travel can take place. Right, right. Anything I haven't asked you about that you feel is important right now? regarding business travel now and for the rest of this year, maybe? I do think that return to travel and return to the office are very connected. And people say return to work, but I don't think that's really quite right because we've all been working. Um, but this idea of travel being a, an integral part of business and to need to be an integral part of that idea of returning returning to work and returning to the office. Having a seat on that cross-functional team has built the profile and, you know, I would say um, highlighted the profile of travel management as a strategic function within the organization. And I think the travel managers should be taking advantage of that in every way that they can because business travel and meetings, they are an integral part of the fabric of business. And so as much as they can be supported and deployed in the right ways, they will support the business. Right. And I think we also have to consider just people's psyche because we've all been avoiding people for so yeah. long now that, you know, it. and I see the tie-in with going back to the physical office and because you, then you're going to get used to being around other people face to face. And I think it's going to take a psychological adjustment for some people to feel comfortable walking through an airport, sitting on a plane, going into a hotel, going into 
you know, someone's office to have the meeting that they traveled for. Yes, I think that's true. And I think it's unfortunate that we've had, um, you know, kind of a a politicization of wearing masks Mm -hmm. um, and doing sort of minimal things that we can do to protect ourselves and our colleagues and our, you know, our friends. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I can hope that people will take the steps needed to go on business travel and go to meetings and practice, you know, social distancing and, and personal protective um, protocol. And I expect those kind of things might come into travel policies where they're going to say, we expect that when you're on the road, you're going to wear a mask, you're going to have hand sanitizer and all that stuff. Well, and in fact, it's part, and for many companies, it has become part of the, um, for those that are still traveling and and have essential travel happening now, it has become part of the pre-trip approval process that when the trip is approved, you actually receive a personal protection kit for traveling. So there's, and, and, and it's changing what um, security and um, travel, their procurement needs. They need to procure the hand sanitizer. They need to procure the masks. They need, need to procure the, di- the gloves and the different elements of those kits and be able to send them to their employees. And whether it's handing them out at an office situation, but you know, not so many people are at the office now. So um, distributing them as needed. So it, it is also logistical challenges and procurement challenges that have come up um, mm-hmm. that that are, you know, they're playing out right now as well. And that's probably part of duty of care. They don't want to, yeah. they, you know, they can't assume that somebody is going to have that stuff and take that stuff. But if they put it at their doorstep, you know, they've done the most that they can, you know, to encourage that kind of behavior. Correct. 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 Interesting times. Yep. <laughs> Thank you so much, Beth. I appreciate your time. It's it's interesting to take a look at what's happening on the transient side, you know, from the perspective of having been covering the meeting side for Yeah, I it's an interesting perspective and I, I do want to just kind of underscore the I think some additional alliances that may be forming between travel and meetings because I think those will be important. Yeah, finally, we've been talking about that for decades, but maybe it'll happen now. (laughs) I hope so. Okay, thanks again. Absolutely, thanks so much. Yep, bye-bye. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate and review us and check back for new episodes soon.